Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Here's What I'm Seeing, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. My name is Adam Tarno. Today, I am joined in studio by Jeff Straza. Jeff and I recently just celebrated one-year anniversaries for our little businesses that we started last year and early part of, or really middle part of 2020. Uh, I've already written an email where I talked about some of the things that I've learned, but Jeff and I were getting together the other day and he shared some things that he was learning and candidly, his list was a little better and maybe even more helpful than mine. And so I asked him to come in studio with me and let's hit record and share some of these things because I think it's going to help leaders, uh, regardless of whether or not you're a business owner or solopreneur, entrepreneur, sole practitioner, whatever it is. I think he just has some great leadership lessons that he's learned over the last year. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from him. And so take a listen to our conversation and then I'll be back with a few closing comments. Jeff, welcome back. Good to have you in studio. It's good to be back in studio with you. Yes. Cynthia's not here, but that's okay. That's all right. We've got something to talk about today. So you and I have had birthdays recently, right? Yes, we have. Weird birthdays. Anniversary birthdays. Yes. Yes. Anniversary birthdays. So both of our little businesses recently just turned one. And uh, so congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah. What is birthday the right term? I don't don't know. I think it's anniversary. I don't know. But um, I've been surprised at how encouraging... Uh, pleasantly surprised at how encouraging other business owners and other solo practitioners, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs are on this milestone. I think if you would have asked me eight or nine months ago, or maybe even a year ago, if I met somebody and they said, oh, my business has been around a year, I'd be like, good luck with that, right? You still got to keep it up, pal. (laughs) Yeah, you got to get some experience. And now this year, as I've gone through this milestone, I am amazed at how many people have been so encouraging with it. I mean, I even put just a simple little thing out on LinkedIn uh, a week ago, and I, I mean, the amount of engagement, I'm like, God, it, it, it's kind. It's very, very kind and sweet of people to do that and very encouraging. It's very encouraging, and we're still around, right? Yeah. We've, we've made it a year, we and, and uh, we've been, both been getting a lot of pats on the back and encouragements, and that's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. And so you and I have learned some stuff over the last year, and by no means do we're, are we setting ourselves up as solo practitioner, solopreneur experts, but... After one year, we've got some reflections, and I've written about some of mine in my weekly email that I've sent out, and I'll put a link to that in the show description if anybody missed that on the blog where I've got that. But you and I were hanging out recently and even just kind of chit-chatting about the things that we've been learning, and you had a lot of great things, and we've got your list down to three of just some things that you've learned that I think are going to be applicable, not to, not just to people that are in the same season of life you and I are in, where we're maybe uh, running our own business or leading our own business, but uh, really just anybody who cares about leadership, I think these things are going to be really helpful. And so we're going to have a conversation today on some of the things that you've learned over this uh, over this one year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, humility is a great learning tool, you know, and when you start your own uh, business, your own consulting practice, you know, you're hungry, you're ready to go, you have a great vision, and then off you go and the learning begins. So, I mean, I think there's some cool things for us to talk about today. Yeah. And so let let me ask you this, and this is kind of off script from what we talked about, but one of the comments on that LinkedIn uh, post that I put out there, or maybe this was on the email, but anyway, somebody wrote back and they said, congratulations. And you even did all of that in a pandemic. And I, I was like, Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot that there was a pandemic going on when I was trying to launch the business. Did you think about that over the last year on how we're in the middle of a pandemic and how did that impact Absolutely. You? I think it's a really important backdrop here yeah. because I think a lot of our work, you and I are both focusing and helping leaders go through pandemic recovery and what that means for their organizations and their leadership roles. But it absolutely had an impact. And as I look back and reflect, I think, first of all, I have a lot of gratitude. Um, I, I think I 
probably uh, worked harder and smarter in some ways because of the pandemic. Uh, certainly adapting to a virtual environment uh, was key. Um, but also, I mean, I had to really get in touch with fears that I had, deep yeah. fears about failure or not being perceived as credible. And um, I had to face those down. And I think we're going to talk about them here in this episode because I think yeah. they're really important, Adam. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I tell you what, I thought about it in the very beginning because I had started to have a pipeline of some speaking gigs that were lined up and they all were canceled, right, in yeah. the very beginning. And so I thought about it a lot last spring. But I think once the summer got going, I kind of forgot about you it a little bit. You had your old boss on speed dial for a while, probably. <laughs> right, didn't probably. <laughs> and, uh, but there were, you're just so focused on getting it started and it's always hard. I guess I never thought that I was pushing extra boulders uphill because of the pandemic. And maybe as, as time goes on, we'll look back on it and go, yeah, that first year was unusually difficult because of the pandemic, but nonetheless. Well, yeah, we both started in the summer and organizations were either canceling or they were moving to virtual mm -hmm. and, and we, were, we were new to that. Uh, people that do speaking and consulting, and we, we all were new to that. We were all on a learning curve, and so we were helping each other out yep. in preparation. I sat over here in your studio several times when I taught at SMU, and yep. you were helping me out. We were helping each other out. Uh, we all were on a huge learning curve, and but that built some muscle, and that built some grit. And I, I think I think that's a great thing for, for all of us to remember during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So Okay, so you've got at least three things here that we're going to go through today, and uh, let's just go through the first one. The first one you talked about is this, is that uh, one of the things you've learned is there's this need to build a professional community. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I think whether you're a solo practitioner or you're a small business owner, you're just getting started out, um, you, you've got to build a professional community. You've got to put other people around you that are going to sharpen you, that are going to challenge you and encourage you and, and also refer refer work to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I found out early on that that was a big turbo boost for me. I started off with my, my former employer, um, even going back to SMU and, and people in my, in my church community, everybody was for me. And, but I had to be clear about you know, what my story was and what I was doing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it was important for me to have people that I could call and lean on and connect with um, in the early going when I, when I really needed the support. Yeah. And you and I both uh, in previous jobs before we went out on our own, we were a part of big teams. And it was so easy for us if we had a project, like maybe we were preparing for a talk or we were putting together a training, or even if we were going to be spending some time coaching or consulting, you know, with somebody or someone, it was so easy to just go down the hall and start talking to people or schedule a meeting. And suddenly you get four or five people in a room and you can start to brainstorm. And now we're out on our own and you're like <laughs> crickets. Like, yeah, and who Zoom, am I going to call know, now? Zoom calls and Zoom happy hours, you know, that, that wore off pretty quick. And man, by the winter time, by the winter months, I'd gone into some weird winter solstice where yeah. I was I was in a funk and I didn't know why, but I connected the dots and it was because I wasn't part of an organization anymore mm. where you would have holiday gatherings and you would celebrate your year, the end of your year. That wasn't going on for me. Yeah. So how did you go about building that community then or, or formalizing it? Because you certainly had relationships because you've been in Dallas working for what, 30 years now? Yeah, 30 yeah, years. So you had 30 years of professional relationships here, but really this first time as a, as a solopreneur, as somebody out on your own, did you formalize that or how did you go about trying to I develop I just worked that? it in my, my, my daily, weekly rhythm of work. Um, I wasn't waiting for people to call me or to know about me. I, I was 
actively reaching out and connecting with people. And it wasn't always about business development. It was it was to connect and, hey, I'd love to reconnect with you. And here's what I'm doing. What are you up to? And I think because I approached it with consistency and with authenticity, it, it, it spread quickly. Yep. Um, and then people reached back out to me and, and I began to create regular check-ins with people, whether that was, you know, a couple times a month or every other month. And I just put it as a tickler in my calendar and it, it really worked out for me well. Yeah. And I like that. I, and I want to emphasize that it wasn't always about business development. And I think you were really good at that. I saw this as being a part of your professional community how you would just text me one morning, hey, let's just swap some stories really quick almost. Like, just tell me what you're working on. I'm going to tell you what I'm working on. Let's just keep that connection and how helpful it was to, and really just to relieve some pressure to go, I don't have to try to sell anybody right now. Yeah, I We're just maintaining I, relationships. Just being generous with ideas and yeah. sharing information was something that I, I love to do and came natural for me. And that, that was part of my lifeline to create professional community. It was what I, I love to do, and um, people reciprocated. Yeah. Did that start for you, Jeff, early in your career? Because I'm thinking about the person that's listening to this right now that maybe they've been working three years and they're like, oh, I don't necessarily need a professional community right now would you say no 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 that starts right now it start, absolutely yeah. does start right now I, just early in my career I had very generous leaders and mentors and I just try to emulate what they did working at a university SMU for all those years when I would go to professional conferences and it was very uh, very acceptable to share your best ideas mm. with everyone in the in the learning community, and I brought that over when I went over to corporate. Yeah, you know, and I was a little bit of a heretic, but I I like <laughs> sharing good ideas with people, and I don't I don't fear that they're everyone's a competitor. Yeah, that's really good. All right, so I like this idea of building the professional community, and um, which again, this was a part of your of your story, your journey. But then even now on your own, you know, as you as you mentioned in the winter. Uh, you were connecting some dots and realizing I'm missing this and I need to get back to that, right? Yeah, I was. And and you and Cynthia in particular were very helpful uh, as I spent time with you and we, we did some podcasts together. It helped me just kind of come out of a funk. Yeah. And again, I, I think nothing's by accident. I, I learned a lot from that. Um, as I came into the spring and I, I had just a sense of clarity and renewal. All of us went through a lot of change and, and hardship last year in the pandemic. I'm no different. Um, but as I think about my my professional career and my consulting practice, um, that was a valuable time for me because a lot of people are coming out of the pandemic and they're hurting and they're coming out of isolation. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, okay, I like that. So the need to build a professional community, that was something you learned this past year. Uh, here's the second one, and I, I've got a lot to say on this one too, because this was another big learning for me that I didn't uh, you know, put into my email or that blog post, but uh, how to communicate your value proposition. You learned that huge challenge for people in professional services or the consulting world right now. I, I've been kind of collecting little stories of the way various consultants talk about what they do. And I'm not going to name names, but I've met very few who know how to do it very it's hard well. To do. It is so difficult. So what have you learned about how to how to let people know this is what I do and this is the value that it brings? Well, first of all, I think that you have to detach yourself from the outcome. If, if you are so driven by closing a deal, then you're gonna you're gonna talk too much, mm. right? And people are gonna glaze over. I think if you really believe and have clarity about your value proposition, then you'll speak about it in a paced way. Mm. You'll you'll read nonverbals. All right. You don't have to, you know, what's the old saying? You don't have to, uh, someone asks for the time, you tell them how to build a watch. Yeah. And I've seen so many people in business development do that. Um, you can have the best intention in the world, but if you're not clear on reading that person's readiness 
to hear it and their willingness to work with you, then you've got to tap the brake a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, so the building a watch, uh, just last week had an opportunity through professional community connections to have a conversation with an organization here in town, phone call, it's virtual, it starts off, it's going well, I'm asking them about their organization, everything's going great. And then they ask me, they say, well, what do you do? You know, we understand that, that you've been, uh, you've started your own business here. And Jeff, to my shame, like two minutes into the conversation, I, I went back to where I grew up in high school. <laughs> and then I'm like in college and then I'm in Atlanta after I graduate. I'm, I'm talking and I'm like having this out of body experience. Did you going, tell them about dressing up as a kiss? As kiss uh, as and, and college, all, everything. Almost all of it was in there. And so it was like, why am I using so many words right now? They only asked me what I do now. Why did I feel this compulsion to tell them this really long story? So uh, I'm really resonating with the way that you're saying there on reading the nonverbals, being a little bit more succinct, pausing and letting them asking some more follow-up questions if they want some more details. Well, particularly uh, in a virtual environment, yeah. when we were looking, I, you know, you and I were doing business proposals on screen through Zoom calls and, I, you know, I... I I swung and missed a few times. I, I got it wrong a few times, not because I don't think they would have needed my services, because I just wasn't clear and I didn't connect to their need in a way that resonated with them. Yeah. A bit, but I learned from it yeah. and I kept refining. Yeah. And I like the, um, you know, you don't have to go tell a story about every client you've ever worked on first. I mean, it's great to have all these sound bites in the back of your, you know, in your hip pocket to share if they ask. But if you can get it down to those one or two sentences of here's what I do, here's the value it's bringing, or here's what I'm being told is the value that I'm bringing, uh, that can go a long way. You know, one, one tool I would recommend um, to the listener is sometimes uh, it's okay to have a part two. If, mm. if you're connecting, but they need to process whether they're ready to work with you or where they need your services, just to suggest to go, hey, if it makes sense for us to reconnect and explore a little more deeply, then... Um, why don't we do that? Yep. Maybe we can reconnect in a week or so. I'm happy to send you some follow-up materials. That way you're not feeling like you have to close the deal or speed talk your way through the that's discussion. Right. That's right. And again, uh, so somebody that's listening right now that's not a solo practitioner, they're not a business owner, not a solopreneur, they're they're a part of a team and they work for a large organization right now, or even a, just, it doesn't even have to be large, just they work for any organization. I still think this is helpful for any leader to be able to communicate their value proposition. Like Ongoing. What, what do you, what value are you adding to your team? And this isn't to make yourself feel good and build up your resume and, and all this, but it's just, it's really is just trying to go, what's reality here? You know, it's, it's really a form of peer coaching. And I know you and Cynthia and I have been doing that as friends and colleagues for, for quite a while now. Cynthia and I are in a meeting later this week, and she's working on an aspect of her business plan. Yeah. All I'm doing is offering to help her refine it, to be a third person perspective, uh, help her check for clarity, and, and you've done the same with me on, on my business. I've done it with you. Um, I, I, I think it's just, it goes back to the point number one, and that's, and that's building a professional community. That's right. Yeah. And that community can be very, very helpful sometimes to go, uh, here's what I think makes you unique, you know, or to use some of Lencioni's language. Here's the genius you bring to this team. Really, really great to know that stuff, uh, regardless if you're out there starting your own business or if you're you're on a team and just want to know what what role it is that you play. So, all right, so this build build a professional community that was a learning for you this year. Learning how to communicate your value proposition that was a learning for you this year. And then uh, the third item is this: is being able to clarify what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. So, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I think um, in the early fall of, la of last year. 
I was getting a lot of requests um, to to do coaching and to do um, a, a lot of virtual online training. And some of it simply really wasn't in my wheelhouse. Mm. It wasn't a fit. And I, I got into some situations where I really had to stretch, um, where I probably felt unprepared for the topic. And I think it came off okay, but the point is, is that I probably had a scarcity mentality about I got to get as much work as I can because I don't know how long this is going to last. And that's just a wrong, it's a flawed mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 over time, over the course of the fall, I moved to more of an abundance mindset where I was more clear about, okay, I'm going to keep refining my value proposition. I'm going to keep being a constant learner and I'm going to keep looking for fit. And I'm going to try to connect with organizations and individuals where their values are aligned with mine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that just took some practice. Yeah. Um, so there, this is, and you and I were talking about this before we hit record, starting a new business in the middle of a pandemic, uh, saying no. Mm-hmm. And what, like that, uh, that seems to fly in the face of capitalism. It seems to fly in the face of smart business to go, really, I'm going to say no to something. This is potential income. I'm trying to maybe replace income from my last job. Like, how, where did you find the, the courage to be able to say no to some things? I, Adam, I, I think I had to fundamentally dig deep and believe that my background as a counselor and an organizational consultant was going to add value to people and individuals that were struggling with stress and anxiety. And I had something to offer. Mm. And, you know, it, there were times... The, all business owners know this, that you have to take leaps of faith. You've yeah. got to go through a new trial and error. You've got to go through research and development. You've got to try new, you've got to risk. And that was my, that was my area of risk. Yeah. I felt confident enough that, um, that I was going to add value to, to family businesses and organizations. I just had to work on the other things first. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this, Jeff. So, you know, how long did it, you, you just mentioned right there, family businesses and organizations, and that that's really your sweet spot on being able to help them out with anxiety and stress and all of that. Like, did you know that day one within the first 30 days or when we're talking about saying yes or no, did you say yes to some wrong things? To I help, did. To help I, you get to that? I had a clear direction yeah. because of my, the, the totality of my background. What I wasn't completely prepared for is I said yes to some work in some family businesses that were, were called red families. In other words, they were highly dysfunctional. They really needed a family therapist. Okay. Now I have a therapy background, right. but I don't do therapy in family businesses. I do facilitation and coaching. And so I got into some areas where I needed some help. Yeah. And so, um, but that, again, that was a lesson learned, really important. Uh, that, that helped me refine my business model. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think this is the one, um, candidly, that I'm struggling with the most is this ability to still decipher between what do I say yes to and what do I say no to? I, I really could... I think I would do well to follow your lead here on the trust and the courage there and the faith, if you will, to just go, no, st- you know, stick, stay in your lane. You've got a sweet spot. You know where you're adding the most value. It's okay to say no, even if there's some revenue attached to that stuff. It doesn't mean you're, you're not trying to grow your business. Uh, but that tension, and this is another learning that I had over this last year, the tension as a, as a small business owner to keep one eye on the here today and one eye on tomorrow 
is uh, that takes a little bit of work to get used to. And, uh, and learning how to say no to some things really isn't shutting doors. It's helping you get better and ready for tomorrow. No, I mean, I think the only way to balance that is you've got to be grounded in today. You've yep. got to have life balance. You know, I, I just was working crazy long hours in the fall. I didn't know how to take time off because I'd never worked for myself full time before. Yeah. And I was getting burned out. And and then the winter months hit and I slowed down and then I went to a funk because of that. So, <laughs> you know, it was up and down a little bit for the first six months for me. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Uh, let's see if this works. Let's go rapid fire. Okay. I'm just going to throw out some, some fun, like first year things. So, uh, most difficult new technology to learn in the first year. Man, some of the some of the nuances was Zoom. When I had a really important presentation through SMU or, or a big presentation with a with a corporation, and I would flub it, or I, you know, or something was going on with my connectivity. Just yeah. just the technology piece was just it was a steep learning curve. Okay, uh, most helpful new technology you've encountered the last year. Um, I set up a, a kind of a studio format in my home office with a really nice high-end microphone and a, and a nice HD camera, and uh, it helped really increase my polish when yep. I was doing uh, presentations. Okay. Well worth the investment. All right. Uh, most embarrassing thing left in the background during a Zoom call this last year? Um, let's see. I got up in the middle of a presentation and I was wearing a dress shirt and shorts underneath. <laughs> okay. And someone and I didn't have on the blurred back background feature. Yeah. And someone commented and said, "Nice shorts." <laughs> there, yeah, there was that moment. All right. Um, Bess, where was your go-to uh, meeting spot during the pandemic? So if you were going to meet people not virtually, where was your go-to meeting spot uh, for people over the last year, if you were going to connect with somebody? Man, I found a couple of cool coffee shops around Dallas. Ascension was a great place to go. Um, you and I know of some other ones that are great. Also, we, we, we did some work in our home and our backyard. We did a backyard remodel, and I sat out there a bunch yeah. last year. That's right. And you that did. was a terrific place to go. You did. Okay. Uh, most helpful book you read over the last year to help you with what you're doing right now? Um, I think Think Again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Adam Grant. That was a real um, game changer for me. Another one I would say is positive intelligence, uh, which is kind of an updated, unique version of EQ and emotional intelligence. It, it was a game changer for me. Okay. Uh, what was your, like the hobby, the way you would just decompress trying to deal with the pressures of a new business? best new hobby over the last year? Well, if you've seen me on a Zoom call from my home office, I have a, a acoustic guitar hanging on the wall and I've got an, a, a canvas and an easel in the background. So I, I kind of took that back up again and tried to have a little bit of a renaissance year. Okay. And cooking though, you were always, you were talking about like linguine and clam sauce I, you were I trying to... I am obsessed with uh, cooking shows, especially Italian cooking. And yes, that's those are my favorite things to do. Okay. Um, and I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to try to set you up here. Best purchase over the last year of a possession? Oh, I had a complete midlife crisis, <laughs> and I got a little red Fiat sports car convertible. It, it and is it's, awesome. It's, it's, it looks like a Hot Wheel, but it's, it really it's so does. much fun. It is like the size of a Matchbox car. It's and true. you brought it over, my boys uh, got to ride around in it, and it's a really nice-looking car it's and fun. a lot of fun. So, All right, last one. What was the biggest surprise over the last year for you? I just think that I, I just have so much gratitude uh, from last year, even the hard lessons learned. I think the biggest surprise for me was my daughter got married and we had, um, we had a service in our home, a lovely wedding. And it was wedding. great. And, and, and you did that ceremony and it was 
it was a big, big deal in our family. And it was lovely. I, but I just cried like an Italian mama. I mean, I, <laughs> I had so many tears and so much emotion. And I think I was surprised by how much I can cry yep. as a middle-aged man. <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. That was, that is still, I, Jackie and I said it then and we still believe it. That was the best wedding I have ever been to. That was so fun. It was how fun. close. I've never had a groom when I've done a wedding. I've maybe done, I don't know, 15 weddings. I've never had a groom that close to me. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah we were cozy to up in my family room was, right there. I mean, he was like, he could look at my iPad and read all my notes and all this kind of stuff. He was super close. And then we danced but, the night away with some classic 70s rock after that, right. which was it great. Was fun. Well, Jeff, uh, it has been fun to watch you grow over the last year. It's been fun to go through this with you, and I appreciate you coming the on same here to you, today. my friend. It's It's been a great, a great year, and uh, I appreciate your support. Yeah, it's and been I think, fantastic. you know, like... You and I have been working much longer than a year, and I think some of these anniversaries, this would this would have been more helpful for me to do every year that I started. You know, I started working in January of 1998, and I should have every January been like doing, hey, here's something that I learned this year. Here's some things that I learned this year, because uh, I think we've all got that. So hopefully this can start a new process for both of us. Hopefully so, yeah. Yeah, to be a little bit more grateful and, and archive some of our learnings with all this. So great to be in studio with you today, All right, Jeff. thanks, Ed. Well, there it is. I love that list. I thought that was so helpful. Build a professional community, learn how to communicate your value proposition, and then be able to clarify between what you need to say yes to and what you need to say no to. So again, I think those are things that are helpful, regardless of whether or not you're leading your own business or you're a sole practitioner, solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever it is. I think those are just helpful leadership principles. Have people around you. Don't be alone. Have your peers that you can talk to and build these professional relationships uh, as early as you can in your career. Always know what value it is that you're bringing. What makes you distinctive? We've all got some genius in us. What is yours? Be able to know how to communicate that and then learn what you need to say yes to and what you need to respectfully decline or maybe uh, outsource or refer somebody else to. Those are really, really helpful. So Jeff, uh, I'm grateful for you, friend. Congrats on making it through one year. Can't wait to see and hear what it is that you're going to learn during year two. We'll have to come back in here and record another episode at that time. That's all I got for today. Once again, this episode was mixed and edited by the amazing team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to Here's What I'm Seeing, and we'll talk to you again next time.